I'm standing here today in a room in OBU's library that is an archive of Herschel Hobbs Library. It, it houses all of his books and belongings that were in his office. And uh, Herschel Hobbs is a titan. He is a monumental figure in Baptist history. Back in 1963, he was instrumental in the, the writing of the Baptist Faith and Message, which is, which is our doctrinal statement at Southern Baptist. So it's really an honor for me to be here uh, in his library. In fact, I'm reading a book that was written by Dr. Hobbs on a doctrine, the priesthood of the believer, which is a very important near and dear doctrine uh, to Baptists. But you may have noticed when the video started that uh, I had these glasses on and I'm really not able very much to read the text of this book by the good Dr. Hobbs without the help of these eyeglasses. And as we think about our passage of scripture today, I want to tell you just a little bit about the history of eyeglasses. You know, for most of human history, we knew that glass would refract the light, but interestingly, it, it, it took humanity a really long time to kind of figure out how glass and the refracting of light could help us to see things we ordinarily could not see. Uh, we look in ancient Roman history and documents, and Seneca has a passage in there about how the bowl would refract the light and would change the optics of things. But it's not until the end of the 13th century that an Italian named Salvio D'Armate invents what we know are the eyeglasses and called them lenses because uh, they, the shape of them uh, resemble the shape of a lentil bean. And so uh, he came up with what, what are convex lenses that correct farsightedness. It wasn't until 200 years after that in the 1400s that they came up with concave lenses to correct nearsightedness. And let me tell you, I am grateful for these things because they help me. I read a lot every day of my life. And I'm grateful these things help me to be able to read and, 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 and grow and learn in ways that I would have a struggle otherwise. And so they kind of make me think about our passage of Scripture today as we look at this in Hebrews 5 and getting into the first part of Hebrews 6, where the author of Hebrews is telling these Christians, hey, you, you can't hang on to the elementary things of the faith anymore. You're, you're drinking the milk of the Word when by this time you need to be on the meat of the Word, the weighty substance of the Word of God. And so these glasses kind of help me with that. And it's just a reminder then of, and we talking about us moving forward in our faith, uh, we need to move forward away from the elementary things of the faith. And as we are followers of Jesus, we are to be maturing and we are to be growing deeper in our faith and our understanding of the word, our understanding of the things of God. And this is something that we all need to commit our lives to, is going from the elementary and the milk to the meat. That is moving forward. All right, so let's talk about that, moving forward and advancing from being spiritual infants to maturing adults in the faith. And that's something that's very important, and we're going to try to make that argument today uh, in our message. Now, nobody, wants, nobody likes to be called a baby, right? You know, you're such a baby. We, we don't like that. But sometimes as parents, we've used that with our small children, like, you know, quit sucking your thumb. Only babies suck their thumb. So the thing is, when, when you have a baby and the baby is not developing or maturing the way that a baby should, that, that's a concern. And that's the same thing is true for us in, in the spiritual realm and reality. Uh, we want to grow. That's usually inherent within us. Uh, we want to grow taller when we're younger. We want to, to develop and grow in our ability to do certain things. 
that's always kind of in here. I, I, I saw something a while back I thought was funny. Kid goes to the amusement park and he's just like a fraction, just barely short of the little thing, you know, that says you have to be this tall to ride. So he goes to the bathroom and he stuffs his shoes full of paper towels and raises himself up enough, you know, where he can touch the thing. Now, I haven't shown you all this picture in a really long time, so I think it's time to bless you with 10th grade basketball Todd Fisher, okay? So, now here's the thing. In that picture, what you're seeing me there, there, there's, there's probably one thing I wanted to do more than anything else. I wanted to dunk the basketball. I wanted to dunk so bad, but I just couldn't quite do it. Every time I'd dunk, you know, the ball would hit on the edge of the rim and I'd like end up on my back and it would hurt, but I keep trying. I did everything I could, right? I mean, I tried to think myself to grow taller. I just needed a little bit, a little bit more height. In fact, I was so convinced that I was only missing dunking by, so, if I saw a pair of basketball shoes that had a higher sole on them to make me just a little taller, I would think that's what I needed to do. I did all these exercises, I did all this stuff, you name it. I wanted to dunk so bad, but it was really never gonna happen because I mean, look at that picture. Do you think those toothpick legs are gonna dunk a basketball? Not really, right? By the way, look at the short shorts and tall socks. Now, one thing that did help me undunking was the aerodynamic of my feathered back parted down the middle hair, you know, that just says 1980s. We want to grow. We want to be able to do certain things. We want to develop. We, it's within us. Here's the problem. For a lot of us today, though, we want to grow in this. I want to play this game better. I want to know this subject better. I want to... But when it comes to the Lord, when it comes to our faith, there's too many of us that are satisfied being infants. So we're going to read a text of Scripture today in our study of Hebrews that, where the author of Hebrews is going to say, hey, you, you can't be babies any longer. If you've been a Christian for some time, it's time not to be an infant. It's time to be a growing, maturing adult. Now, let me set up this passage of Scripture for you before we read it. Uh, we've, we've been working the whole book of Hebrews this year, and it is kind of some, kind of some complex things, but... This is going to be the third kind of uh, aside. Uh, we call it an excursus in hermeneutics. It's like chasing a rabbit, if you will, where he's talking about an argument, and then he kind of goes, wait, he gets off the beaten path. Oh, and by the way, I want to say this kind of thing, and then he comes back to the main argument. Now, if you look in your Bible in Hebrews, we go all the way back to since the end part of chapter 4, and the author of Hebrews has been making this kind of complex argument about how Jesus is like the great high priest from the Old Testament. In an ultimate sense, Jesus is our great high priest. Now, that's not a super easy thing to, to really kind of discern. And so we've been trying to work on that. And, and so he's going to make a little aside from that, chase, chase a little rabbit. This is going to be the third time that he's done it now. So remember, he starts off in chapter one. Jesus is greater than anything, greater than the angels, greater than Moses. Jesus is great. He is great. And then we get to chapter two, and there was a little aside about drifting away. He says, don't drift away. And then he comes back to the argument. Jesus is greatest. Jesus is great. And then you get to chapters uh, uh, three and four, and there was another little aside, and it was about having a hardened heart. Don't have a hardened heart. And now he's going to start this thing. He's, the last couple of Sundays, we've been talking about how Jesus is the great high priest. And now he's going to take a little aside here from the great high priest thing, and he's going to talk about not being spiritually immature, but growing and advancing in our faith. And the other thing he's going to talk about is apostasy. 
And that's really going to be next Sunday, but he talks about it in this aside. Apostasy is kind of a fancy word for saying that someone initially embraced the faith and then they just wholeheartedly, wholesale just uh, rejected it. So with me having said that, I I think this is going to make sense a little more now when you come to Hebrews 5, verse 11. So take your Bible and turn to that with me. Hebrews 5, verse 11. Now he says, now about this... When you're reading the Bible, you, you, you usually want to treat the word this kind of like you would treat the word uh, therefore. When you see therefore, hey, you say, well, what, what's that? It's referring to something previous. So about this, and you say, well, what, what is the this? What is he talking about? What's he referring to? So the this is the whole argument about Jesus being the high priest. So he says, about this, my, my whole thing of showing you the greatness of Jesus as the high priest We have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Why is it hard to explain? Since you have become dull or sluggish of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So you see what he's saying? He says, there's a lot more I'd like to tell you about Jesus and the high priest, but I'm going to stop myself right here, and I can't really tell you anymore because you guys are babies in the faith. And one of the things that we learn right here is that the Hebrews, these Christians, they're not new Christians, Uh, They've been Christians for a while, and so he says, hey, by this time, you need to have moved down the road a little further in your knowledge and understanding of the faith. So he keeps going in chapter 6. Therefore, in light of what he just said there, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So let's just kind of unpack this passage of scripture. And I want you to look at the statement on the screen with me. And whenever we talk about spiritual maturity and really a maturity in the knowledge of the word of God, I think we always need to think about this statement. There is a difference between childlike faith and childish faith. And I hear this kind of often, to be honest with you. So sometimes people say, when it it comes to any kind of discussion about, hey, let's know more about the doctrines of scripture, let's know more about Christianity, there's some people that almost pride themselves in saying, oh, I don't know all this stuff, I don't need to know all of that. And then they usually kind of quote a verse about, you know, the childlike faith. You need to understand this, listen to me. A childlike faith has really not anything to do about your knowledge and ability to handle the word of God. Childlike faith is about your trust and your faith in God. It's not about ignorance. A childish faith is about ignorance. A childlike faith is not about that. So sometimes we get these confused. We kind of tend to think, okay, I'm just going to give myself a pass on needing to grow deeper in the understanding the word of God because I just want to have a childlike faith. If that's your attitude, you don't have a childlike faith. You have a childish faith. And I want to tell you something. I want you to listen to me here. 
you cannot afford to have a childish faith in our culture today. You just can't do it. Maybe 50 years ago, I don't know, when the culture was more in tune with the things of God, but listen to me. I don't need to explain to you very much that we live in a culture today that has a lot of animosity towards the things of God and toward the word of God. These Hebrews lived in a culture that had a lot of animosity towards God and towards the word of God. And so they had all this pressure to kind of, you know, do something different. And it was easy for them to be deceived to say, oh, you know what? Going down this path of following Jesus is really not what's best for me because that's really a difficult thing. What's really best for me is to follow, you know, the old Judaism or to follow worldliness or to follow my selfishness. And what he's saying here is, if you were really trained in the things of the word of God, you wouldn't be so easily deceived. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm going to tell you something. Let's just be real honest with each other this morning. Our children and our youth, and really any of us, we are saturated in the things we are watching and listening to in our culture that really much of it is opposed to what the word of God teaches. And so they are immersed in what they're watching on Netflix, so many of the shows on all these streaming services. I'm not saying that it's evil. I'm just saying, if you watch any of these shows, there's a lot of content in there that's in opposition to what the word of God teaches. What they're seeing on social media, what they're watching on YouTube videos, so much of it. And so here's what's gonna happen. Y'all listening to me? Our children and our youth or our next door neighbor or our coworker, they're gonna come to us and they're gonna have some pretty hard questions. You know, hey, half the shows I watch on Netflix have a homosexual couple in it. So can you tell me what, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? In fact, where does it talk about homosexuality in the Bible? Uh, I see all these YouTube videos about gender things. What does the Bible have to say about gender? Uh, What does the Bible have to say about all the problems that we have today with racial issues? What does the Bible say? And listen to me. If they come and they ask us these questions and all we basically got is blah, 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 they ain't gonna cut it. And and, and here's kind of what happens, right? Uh, It really kind of shows if we're still stuck in baby land in our understanding of the word of God, it really kind of shows that either one, we don't think it's important, or two, we just have kind of gotten bored with it a little bit. Hey, look, if I come to you and I said, hey, I got all these weeds and bald spots in my yard. Can you, show, can you teach me, show me how, how to uh, grow the grass in my yard? And if your response to that is, oh yeah, absolutely. So on this date, you need to put 17.5 down, down. And then on this date, you need to spray it with something and you always need to be watering it. And you, if you give me that answer, I'm gonna know that you have a great interest in the lawn. But if I come to you and say, hey, can you kind of help me learn how to grow the grass in my yard? And you go, uh, uh, mow it? Or you say, um, YouTube. YouTube will tell you how to do it. What does that tell me? that tells me you don't really care about the lawn. If they come to us and say, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? What does the Bible say about gender? What does the Bible say about racial issues? What does the Bible say, you name it? And our response is, uh, it's in there, I, I think, uh, YouTube it. 
What have we communicated to them? That this really isn't of great importance to us. If I came to you and I said, hey, I'm thinking about watching this movie. And you said, oh, that's a great movie. And you kind of told me about the plot and things to look for. I'm going to go watch that movie because you thought that movie was very interesting. But if I come to you and say, hey, I'm thinking about watching this movie. And you go, oh, that movie was meh. Then I'm probably not going to go watch that movie. Why? Because you were bored with it. And if I come to you and I have very hard questions about life, and I want to know what does the Bible say about it, and you're kind of like, um, hey, can we talk about the baseball game instead? Look, here's the thing. I can tell pretty quick whether you're impressed and interested with this book or no. And listen to me. If you're a Christian and you're not impressed with this book, and you're not interested with this book, and you're kind of bored with going deeper in this book, then what does that say to our neighbors, and what does that say to our children and to our teenagers about this book? We cannot afford to be babies. It is time to move from the milk and onto the meat. And another thing that you see, look at, look at, verse, four, look at verse 14. Uh, look, solid food is from the mature. Look, it gives them the powers of discernment where we can be trained on the practice to distinguish good from evil. So he, their culture, in the Hebrews here, their culture said, hey, you don't want to follow Jesus, you want to go these other ways. And it was easy for them to be deceived about that. Same for our culture. Our culture says, you don't want to follow this old antiquated book, it's just a fairy tale anyway, you don't want to do all that. Here's what you want to do with your life. You want to follow this path, this path, or this path. And it's so easy to be deceived. Look, look on the screen. Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 4. He says here, the goal for us is to mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. When you are knowledgeable and you are growing in the word of God and you are growing in understanding the doctrines of God and, and what the scripture teaches and what it means to follow Jesus. Look, first and foremost, you are protecting yourself from being deceived. And I lost count of how many Christians are out there that have fallen for every little quick rich, get, get rich quick scheme or this thing, do this little, say this little prayer in, incantation and it'll make you, well, we're easily fooled. And if you're not easily fooled, let me tell you something. Your child, your teenager, your neighbor can be easily fooled. This is why we cannot afford to be on the milk, but the meat. Now, let me illustrate that for you. Okay? This is kind of a funny, but it has a point. So you remember a lot of, a lot of interesting things came out of the pandemic and the whole Zoom thing and all that. Have y'all seen the video with the two lawyers and the judge doing the Zoom call, and the one attorney has accidentally got the cat filter on his thing. So it's judge, attorney, and a talking cat. Watch. Maybe. Here we go. You might want to. We're trying to. Can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. 
That's my favorite. I love the eyes and the mouth are moving with his, but he says, I'm here live. I'm not a cat. I think if you click the up arrow next And then the judge is like, oh, I I believe you. Yeah, you're not a cat. Now, that's kind of funny, but you know what what happened there? This this poor guy accidentally stumbled onto this filter. He kind of didn't know what he was doing. And that's kind of what happens to us. If we don't know what we're doing, it's easy to kind of stumble into some kind of charade, mask. And what happened to this guy? Once he stumbled into it, he couldn't figure out how to get out of it. And sometimes we stumble into these things and we, can't, we, we lose our way so much, I don't know what is true and what is not true. This is why it is so critical, friends, that, listen, if you've been a Christian for a few years now, you, you need to be able to be articulate in at least some things of doctrine and in theology. We kind of have this misnomer today that says, uh, oh yeah, you know, only doctrine and stuff like that, that's only for like the ordained ministers or only for these, you know. No, it's for all of us. And it doesn't mean we all have to be ordained ministers and it doesn't mean we have to be these expert theologians, but there's an expectation of us that we're over here. You, you know, listen, Gallup did that poll. I mean, look, he, he, he took people that identified as evangelical Christians, so conservative Bible-believing Christians by their own self-identification. Over 50% of them, evangelical Christians, over 50% of them could not name five of the Ten Commandments. They didn't know who Abraham was. They didn't know that Paul had written Romans. And here's the craziest thing to me. Of people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, over 50% could not name the authors of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, friends, that's just sad. Over 80% said, God helps those who help themselves. Over 80% of evangelical Christians said, oh yeah, that statement is in the Bible. God didn't say that statement. Benjamin Franklin did. Not in the Bible. So if we're over here still as babies, as infants, this is not only wrong, it's dangerous. And it is time for us then to begin to move a little deeper and to begin to appreciate the gift that is the word of God. So let's just look at this text and and let me just quickly say a few things to you here. What are the marks then of an immature Christian? So you look at verse 13. And in verse 13, what does he say? He, He says that they're unskilled in the word of righteousness, which basically means they have no clue what this book is talking about. They, they, they have no grasp of this. And what does he say? He says, it's time to leave those elementary foundations. What I learned as a 14-year-old when I came to faith in Jesus is not going to cut it now as a 51-year-old. I've been a Christian for a long time now, and it, I, I cannot be writing on the same little elementary knowledge I had of what it means to follow Jesus and what the Word of God means when I first got saved. And here's the thing, gang. I think one of the reasons that a lot of Christians today are in this kind of state of babyhood is we, we, we've lost sight of the incredible gift that is the word of God. And we're just over here in our own little petty kingdoms or over here in our own little selfish thing. And we're, we're so totally distracted. I mean, look, you could give me an amazing gift 
I mean, an amazing gift. And I'd say, wow, that's great. But if you gave me something and said, hey, here's a gift to you, and it's actually from the mind of God himself, should I not be impressed with that? How in the world, if God gives me the gift of the Bible, could I ever go, oh, meh, kind of boring, don't really want to know more, I'd rather just do this? That didn't make any sense. A couple of months ago, I got a big box in the mail. Opened up the big box. Had a picture in it. Now, before I show you this picture, I'm going to give you the backstory. When I did my PhD, I had to write a dissertation, and I narrowed down who I would write my dissertation on to two different old preachers that I, was, I really am fascinated with. Um, one of those preachers was George S. Truett. I ended up writing on the other one, James Montgomery Boyce. But George S. Truett, I got all his books, I've read all his sermons, uh, really amazing. George S. Truett became the pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas in the late 1800s, pastored it all the way till the 1930s when W.A. Criswell took over. Some of you may know those names. Big name, okay? So, I opened this, uh, this box up, it's got this picture in it. And I look at the picture, and I'm like, why would someone send me this picture? I mean, it's old, it's dated, it's boring. I mean, look at this frame, look at this matting. I mean, it's like, why would I want this picture? And then I looked at the bottom of the box, and it was a card from my aunt on my mom's side. And I read the card, and I was like, oh my goodness. And my aunt said, hey, I'm just going through my things, and I wanted you to have this picture. And the reason I wanted you to have this picture is this picture was a gift to my mom and dad in the 20s from the pastor that married them. And by the way, the reason I'm sending it to you is because I think you might know who the pastor is. His name is George S. Truett. And I went, what? I mean, this guy I've studied for a lot of my life, he married your parents and he gave them this picture. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on to this picture. And I don't take this picture and learn that and go, uh, meh. I want to know more, man. I call her up. <laughs> what? Your parents went to First Baptist Dallas and your parents knew George Truett and George Truett married them and gave them that gift? Tell me more. I want to know more. You don't, you don't get a gift like that and just go, uh. So, there's somebody in the room right now. I'm not going to tell you their name. But you would be interested in this person when I tell you about them. Did you know that sitting in the room right now, in this room right now, not at 8.30, not, right, sitting in the room right, right in your presence, is a woman that uh, played for the University of Arkansas basketball team. She started in the 1998 Final Four when Arkansas made the final four. You can watch the video of that game online. Game starts not just a couple of minutes into that game. This woman in our church right now, sitting in this room, hit a three-pointer right at the beginning of that game. In fact, it was one of 316 three-pointers that she hit. She was then the all-time leader of three-point shots in University of Arkansas. At the time, she was number four on the whole NCAA history of three-point shots. She graduates University of Arkansas, and then she goes and plays for the WNBA, the Los Angeles Spark. In 2001, she won a WNBA championship. Pretty cool. And not only that, talented family, her brother 
played for the Los Angeles Anaheim, the baseball team that has 17 names, the Angels. And right now, her brother's the first base coach for the New York Yankees. Now, as I'm even telling you the story, some of you have gone from, what? In the room right now, we have this person? You don't hear facts like that about an individual and go, meh, who cares? I guarantee you right now, every one of you is kind of, you're wanting to look around going, who is it? Who is it? I want to know who is it. Who's in here looks like they hit a three-pointer? Well, you can tell from my basketball picture, it wasn't me. <laughs> but my whole point is you hear something like that and you, I want to know more. Tell me this person's name. Same thing with the Bible. Here's a gift from God himself. And we've got to say, I want to know more. I cannot look at the Bible from God and go, meh. I don't really care. I don't want to know more. This is more interesting. By the way, do the math. It's time to eat. And you say to me, hey, you can have one of two things. Here's a glass of milk. Let's just make it really good. It's a glass of skim milk. Or here's a nice juicy porterhouse steak. Which would you rather have? Ain't rocket science. Give me the meat. Give me the steak. Same thing here. Now, look at this next thing. Another sign of an immature Christian is this. Very little use to others in the things of the faith. So you look at verse 12. By this time, you ought to be teachers. He's not saying you all ought to be Sunday school teachers. You all ought to be ordained in the ministry. But he's saying we ought to be teachers. So when my child comes up to me and has this really difficult question about the culture, and you as a parent are a baby spiritually, how are you going to answer your child? I pray that you don't say, oh, I don't know, we'll go look it up on YouTube. And I'm just going to be honest again here. You know what you can do to your child? You can say to your child, oh, I don't know, go ask the pastor. Uh, do you know the very best person that a child can hear spiritual things from? Mom and dad. Your neighbor comes over, hey, I watched this show on the Discovery Channel, and guess what? They found the bones of Jesus. Turns out he didn't resurrect after all. What are you going to say to that? Your coworker that's got a question about gender, what are you going to say to that? And so, friends, God would love to use us in so many ways, but what's going to happen if we don't know the things of the Word of God? And then what we've already said, we see this in verse 14, again, to distinguish good from evil. If I'm, if I'm a baby in the faith, I'm unable to discern the sound from the unsound, what is true, what is not true. So let me wrap this up. And let's just, how do I grow in maturity then? So let's get into chapter six. So in chapter six, one of the things that the early church had were these creeds or formulations that helped them learn doctrine and help them memorize scripture. Now look at verse six with me, okay? There's a lot of church words in these first three verses. Look at this. He says, so let's leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. All right, we, we should already have that down. That's the milk. We should be able to articulate how a person is saved, right? Hey, let's move on beyond that. We've already got that foundation. So now look at, look at the words. Repentance from dead works and faith. Verse 2. Instruction about washings, laying on of hands. And then you have another one. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now follow me. There are three couplets of two. And to help you, look on the screen. The first couplet... Uh, repentance and faith. The second couplet, washings, laying on hands. The third couplet, resurrection and judgment. Look what he's doing. Repentance and faith talk about justification. 
How, how, do I, how does a person saved? How do they come to faith? Look at the next one. Washings and laying on of hands, sanctification. This is how, once I'm saved, how do I grow in my holiness and my maturity in the Lord? And then when I die one day and I stand before God as my judge, this is glorification, living with him for all of eternity in heaven. Watch what he's done in these couplets. It's the whole gamut. It's the whole spectrum of the Christian life. I come to faith in Jesus, justification. I grow in Jesus, sanctification. One day I'm going to live with Jesus in heaven, glorification. And so what is he saying? You need to be well-versed in all of these. As people ask you questions, as people come to you, you, you run across, come across people that are not Christians, you need to be able to articulate these things. And again, you don't have to be this expert theologian. But friends, these are the things that we need to know. And so we go back to this, this very, back to verse 11. Look at what he says. He says, the reason you don't know these things, though, is because you become dull of hearing or sluggish of hearing, which means you're just over here in your own little kingdom. You've either let the world convince you or you've just become convinced this is an old, dusty, boring book. And I, I really don't want to get interested in all the things that it has to teach. I'd much rather watch this show or do this thing. It kind of makes me think of what Jesus said, look, on Matthew 13. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. I'm reading the Bible, I hear the Bible, but to be honest with you, I'm much more interested in this Netflix show. Not that the show on Netflix is bad, but when I'm way, way more in on a TV show than I am the Word of God, we're not going to grow very much. And so here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to ask yourself these questions on the screen. Just, just ask and kind of answer in your mind. Do I know the elementary truths of the faith enough to help other believers? If I asked you today, can you tell me how a person is saved can, can you tell me what the scripture teaches on that? Here's another question. Am I immature because I have become sluggish in the ears? Are there other things over here that just quite honestly, I'm way more passionate about, I've got much more investment in than my faith? And just ask yourself, am I a growing, learning Christian? And so you see that word in verse 14, the constant practice to distinguish good and evil. Look on the screen with me. How do I move forward in my faith? Here's the first thing. Immerse yourself in the word. It's easy to immerse myself with a streaming service. How about immersing ourselves in the word? Have a time to read. Have a place to read. Have a plan to read. Do more than read. Study and memorize. If you miss a day or miss a few days, go back to it. Consistency is the key. Be a person of prayer. So many times I have people say to me, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. I want to pray. You know what? If you need help, look at this little Acts thing. Adoration. Look, if, if you can't give God praise for something, I don't know how to help you. If you can't think of a sin to confess to God, I'm not sure how to help you. If you can't think of something to give God thanks for, I, come on. Same thing with the Bible. Have a place to pray. Have a time to pray. Use a prayer list. Regularly attend worship. Be involved in a small group. 
If you're not in a small group in our church, a Sunday school class, a home group, a small group, you need to be. Find a way that you can serve the Lord. Small group, serving. I'm going to tell you in a minute why we painted the wall blue over here and why we have all these signs up. Here's another one. <clears throat> Read books, listen to podcasts, watch videos that will challenge you to grow deeper. Set a goal for how you're going to give financially of your time, of your energy, of your, your, your gifts. Identify people in your life that you can share the gospel with, that you can invite to church. Friends, if we've just given a pass on all these things, and you take inventory of your life, and you say, yeah, pretty much the sum total of my life is I kind of go to work, and then I just kind of come home, and I crash in front of the TV until it's time to go to bed. If that's the sum total of your life, you're going to be stuck in infancy. And I hope I've made the point today, you can't afford to be stuck in infancy in your spiritual life. So here's the thing. You can't tell what the, I took this picture at my house. We have a bunch of these at my house. It's a hawk right in the dead center of that picture. It's in a tree limb, not 50 feet from my front door. A little spooky to walk out the door, and there's a bird of prey going, hello. So I think we have some nests east of our, our, our property right here. And uh, they're, they're all the, they're, they just fly over our, over our property all the time. Here's what's interested me. We also have geese and ducks that fly over our property. You ever watched a goose or a duck fly? It's high energy. Flap, 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 flap. You ever watched a hawk fly? Not a lot of flapping. So I Googled it. And you know, everything on the internet's true. I hope I made my point earlier. You know why birds of prey don't flap a lot? Why they just kind of... Because they're actually riding thermals. They find the heat that's rising up and they just... And when they've ridden that up, they may have to flap a little bit, and then they find another one. I think it's a picture of us. A lot of us are flap, 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 doing all this stuff, and stuff that doesn't even matter. It is the spirit that sustains me, the word of God that sustains me, my relationship with Christ that sustains me. And you know what? I got to flap every now and then. So every day, constant practice I'm coming to the word. I'm coming to the Lord in prayer every day. And as I come to him every day, he is that thermal that gives me strength, that gives me wisdom so I'm not deceived, that helps me answer my kids' questions, that helps me answer my neighbor and my coworkers' questions, where God is using me for his glory. And then the new day begins, and I ride it again. Him, not me. So friends... It's so important that we're no longer babies, but growing, maturing in our faith. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for this call today to move from infancy to maturity. I pray so much, Lord, for anyone today that, that doesn't know you personally, that's not come to you in faith. What a joy it is to see these children baptized today have come to understand that they need to follow you by faith. I pray for anyone today, Lord, who's not come to you in repentance of sin and, and trusting you in faith, that they would come to you for their salvation and to realize that what the world has given them and the, any, any other path that isn't following Christ is empty. 
And Lord, for the Christian today who is sitting back satisfied in infancy, Lord, would you change our desire and give us a a desire, God, to know more about the precious gift of your word, to grow deeper in our faith, Lord, as that will help us from being deceived and we will be used by you for your kingdom. And so, Lord, give us a desire for the meat of the word and not just the milk. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.